Welcome to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. This podcast is being brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Limitless was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community in order to show the world that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the executive director and founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marcelet. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marcelet, and I'm so happy that you joined us again this week. This podcast is being released on Giving Tuesday, and I wanted to take an opportunity to first thank all of our listeners, uh, particularly those of you who have written in with comments or questions. We love hearing from you, so please continue to do that. On this Giving Tuesday, we're asking you to help us out in a different way, and that is to share our podcast with somebody, leave us a review, just encourage others to listen. So the purpose of the Limitless podcast is to raise awareness about the capabilities of people who are blind or partially sighted. And the only way we can do that is to ensure that more and more people are listening and learning. So please consider sharing our podcast with a friend. We have a full house today. I want to welcome my co-hosts. I have John, Nika, Colby, and Lena. Welcome, everybody. Thank Hello. you. Hello. Hello. Most of us, I think, uh, have grown up being the only person who's visually impaired in our family, probably the only person in our school, and for some of us, maybe even the only person in our community. And I want to talk about what it's like the first time or, you know, the first few times you actually meet other people who have a visual impairment, especially maybe those times when you're in a large group of people who are all visually impaired, what that experience is like. So I'm so happy that you're all with me today because we all have a different experience. And I think it, this is going to be a really interesting conversation. So for me, I found out I was visually impaired when I was 12, although I was diagnosed when I was five. Um, I never met anybody who was blind uh, except my great-grandmother when I was growing up. So she was very elderly and very frail and had lost her vision later on in life. But so my sort of experience with blindness was elderly and frail. <laughs> and I really had no idea. I'd never met anybody who was a kid who was visually impaired or even a young adult. And I remember the first time I, about a year after I found out, actually, no, probably a few months after I found out my vision teacher introduced me to somebody with the same eye condition as me, who was basically my age. That was really cool. And then a little over a year later, I went to camp for the first time, which was pretty mind blowing, but we'll talk more about that in a bit. But I'd love to hear from you guys what sort of paint the picture for me. Uh, Nika, why don't you go first? And do you remember when was the first time you met somebody? I was born visually impaired. And I know just through being told stories that I was taken to some early childhood certain things or like a CNIB Christmas party. But I don't really 
remember those at all like apparently that's where I actually first met you Sean but I do not remember like anything just from my early childhood really so that didn't leave a lasting impact on me and the only person who was regularly in my life who was visually impaired was my vision teacher but she was kind of more of that borderline she was legally blind but not really and she didn't really need assistive technology or a cane or any type of mobility device so I couldn't really relate to her and then when I was nine my parents uh basically signed me up for this CNIB Bowen Island summer camp thing and that was my first time actually being around a group of blind people and it was also like just the first time I was away from home for an extended period of time that was more than a couple days Hmm. Um, John, what about you? I I was also born with my visual impairment, and looking back on it now, uh, yes, I I definitely there was a lot of stuff going on when I was a kid. But back then, I didn't understand it. I knew I just had bad vision, so it didn't really make sense. Like I actually had a vision teacher in elementary school. I just didn't realize, like it was specifically for blind people. I just thought I had like a special needs or special aid person. So we had like we had some computer learning classes back when everyone was learning how to use computers because yeah and like we had some cool tech in our classroom that would follow me around each year and like we just had it and there were all of my classmates were like oh that's so cool and we all get to use this stuff and like by the time we got to like grade six and seven all my classmates could use the tech the teachers had to learn and the teachers would ask the class how to fix things but it didn't really make sense till high school or even grade seven, I guess, when it was actually properly explained. And that's when I started to use a cane because my vision is more like about um, night blindness. So if I wanted to go outside at night as a teenager, I would have to learn that. And so then it started to make sense. And then I can't remember if it's the summer of my first year of high school. I went to this stay away kind of learning thing out in Abbotsford or so. And there were like, there are a couple of other uh, visually impaired people there but mostly in the older teenager group like people who were getting ready to do college and stuff because we were learning about how to do interviews and apply for jobs and go grocery shopping and there was one my roommate was the same age as me I didn't realize at the time he seemed way older and that was my first experience with other visually impaired people but because most of the people there were also pretty high vision it was uh, still pretty different and it wasn't until then a year after that where I started to meet more more people with um, lower vision levels. And that's pretty much when I met Clement and all this craziness happened. So I blame him for everything. Um, Colby, how about you? Um, so for me, um, I was born visually impaired. During my elementary years, um, I was the only one in my school. Um, and probably my community. Um, that was visually impaired and so it was quite isolating because there really was nobody like me Um, but then when I lost more of my vision I had gone to um, a summer camp on Hornby Island and that that was probably the first time I met like a larger group of people um, with different visual impairments and levels of vision and it was really cool to see that. Yeah. Lena, how about you? 
So for me, when I was born, I could see, but when I was three, I had a brain tumor, so that um, made me lose all of my vision. So when I was in elementary school, I was the only kid who had, uh, who was blind. Um, but when I was in grade two, uh, one of my vision teacher, she brought in one of her students, Ashida, and that's the first time I met anyone in my entire life who was visually impaired. So from then on, like, yeah, I just knew one person who was uh, visually impaired. Okay. And it, and it was like a really great experience because from up until that point, I had just met people who were sighted and not anyone who was uh, blind or visually impaired. And like I could, you know, confide in her whatever I was thinking or what I was feeling. Like it was just like a really great experience. So if we think back to the first time you were in a group of peers who were visually impaired, like sounds like for many of us, it was camp. What was that like? What was that experience like? And I have to think way back, but I, I remember at first feeling a little bit uncomfortable, actually, like I'd never yes. been around people who were blind and mm -hmm. they were like using white canes and bumping into me and, you know, just like, <laughs> like, like, I don't know, like saying things like, who is that? Who's speaking or I don't know, just different things that I'd never experienced before. And it, it was a little bit, I don't know, just, yeah, a little uncomfortable. I wasn't really sure. Like, just like any sighted person, the first time they meet somebody who's blind, you're not really sure how, how you interact or what, what are the rules here? Because yeah. they're different a little bit than maybe what you've been used to in your, you know, sighted life. Colby, I hear you agreeing. Is that similar for you? Yeah, um, it was, it was definitely, um, I, I would agree, uncomfortable at first. You're not used to um, being around all those people and they, it seems like they already know how the communication and whatnot works. And then you're thrown into that and you are trying to see, okay, so how am I going to get around here? But also, what are all these other people doing that um, are like you, but um, maybe you've never been in the same situation before? So it's definitely uncomfortable at first. And they were all so comfortable with each other, yes. which was like, like no one else seemed uncomfortable, but I definitely <laughs> felt it. I don't know. John, what was it like for you? Well, it's the, the first time was actually harder to remember because we were in such a small group that it was like we also had time to just talk and meet each other. But the other the other first time I could say with a bigger group, we were doing one of those tech forum learning things. So they were introducing some new tech. So I didn't actually get a chance to talk to anyone at first. But once we were all done and getting a chance to play around with the stuff, my vision teacher introduced me to Clement and it actually was super easy because we, we were both going to the same summer camps like three months into the summer a lot of things that we were both into like we played video games and like <laughs> same same kind of music so it all it, it became very smooth and seamless and then we talked to, and then he introduced me to Angel too so it was like oh yeah it was actually super easy for me with those guys uh I wonder if losing your vision later in life or being 
born with it has to do something with it because I also was just very comfortable before the camp started. We kind of met at a central location and then bust to the camp and I remember immediately clicking with this one girl and as I got there and met more people I made a couple more friends and for me it was really easy and I think the thing that kind of now looking back I distinctly remember is I was so surprised to see so many white canes like that was the first situation I've ever been in where we had the whole um, whose cane is this? Oh, okay, this is way too tall. Oh, it's here. Yes. I think this is yours. That was like, <laughs> there was all that and the whole like seeing how it was an equal playing field. Like I never, like, you know, sometimes I'll stumble into things. Sometimes my cane will hit an obstacle and I need to go around it. And I was just always the one in the group of sighted people who kind of needed to explore and feel things around more than other people and for the first time there were actually other people who did the same thing as me mm -hmm. well I also kind of equate it to like your first day of high school and for your first homeroom or also my first day in college where everyone doesn't know each other and you're trying to introduce yourselves and get to meet people yeah it's funny because my first memory was like my parents brought me to the CNIB and we all met there and then the bus came and my friend who I had met before who was going to be at camp was coming from the island so she wasn't in Vancouver at the CNIB she wasn't on the bus until later and and so I and I was only 13 which I guess isn't you know, that young, but <laughs> it just seemed like these kids have been going to camp for years and they all knew each other. And I just kind of was sitting there like, Oh, what? I don't know anybody. And I think you're right, John, it is comparable to the first day of anything where you don't know anybody, but there was this added part of like, Oh, people are blind here. Like that's different and that's new. And I've never met anybody who's blind. So yeah. Um, Lena, have, have you been in a, a situation in a group of people who are blind? Yeah. So this was back in elementary school, but we used to have this program called Play On. And it was where uh, kids from around the school who are mostly blind would come every week. So the first time I went, I was amazed. Like there were like 15 kids just there with their white canes. And I was just like, okay, what's happening here? Because I, I like up until until that point, I had never met or seen so many people like or or like all blind. Mm -hmm. And as I kind of got like used to it, like, yeah, I it, at first it was a bit uncomfortable. Like, okay, what do I do? Because, you know, I've never seen anyone blind, right? But uh, like, I just got used to being uh, doing sighted guide, guide, and yeah, it was just from that point onward, it, it just felt really good. So, as much as it was uncomfortable, I have to say that within probably twenty four hours, I had found my people. Yeah, <laughs> I felt that way too. Yeah. So I remember, you know, just kind of observing and listening and realizing that these kids were talking about eventually like they were talking about what courses they liked or didn't like at school they were talking about their plans to go to university and what they wanted to be they they were talking like normal people and 
just like, were just like me, you know, it was, it was sort of this, oh, okay. Blind is not different. Like it's not this other species. (laughs) We're all, we're all still normal and we all still are teenagers and we're all still kind of pursuing the same things as everyone else. We're just visually impaired. So yeah. Uh, Do you guys remember being surprised by anything when you were with other youth who were visually impaired or blind? I feel like I was more surprised by you than the youth. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, that's a nice segue. Um, Is it? Uh, well, I want to talk about that too. So meeting somebody who's older than you, who is blind or partially sighted. I mean, for me, my first, I, the first few people I met, uh, my vision teacher actually introduced me to her husband at the time, who was a, a man who was blind. And that was the first time I realized that, oh, blind people get married. <laughs> like, that's a thing. Okay, that's cool. Uh, and then, and then I remember when I was about 19, I met Betty Noble, who's, uh, been on our podcast before and, and she was, she came to do a talk at this, um, college program that I was attending. And she talked about being a parent and, you know, her toddler, she told a really cool story about her toddler falling asleep under the table and she couldn't find him anywhere because he was, was sleeping um but again that was another moment where I was like oh blind people can be parents like that's really cool (laughs) so I think yeah some of those moments of just you know my my misconceptions about blindness being shattered by meeting somebody who was blind who was older than me so I'd love to hear Nika what (laughs) what surprised you when you met me and I'm bracing myself (laughs) It's it's good mostly, I promise. Okay. Um so I think the biggest thing is life skills. For example, I remember when I was packing my suitcase, my mom would sit with me and she was very like succinct and saying, Okay, here, the pink shirt with the purple writing can be worn with the white shorts and the pink capris and every single outfit was pre-planned on Wednesday you will wear this on Tuesday you will wear this and you didn't do that you packed your suitcase yourself and you could dress yourself like that Mm. was that was like a weird like culture shock I'm like what or like even like with bathing suits I never ever like put on a bathing suit by myself and I'm like oh my god like what do I do? What do I do? And I don't remember if it was you or someone else who helped me. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I'm like, and I'm like, you know how to put on a bathing suit? Like, how do you know how to put on a bathing suit? Like, you can't see what you're doing. Like, I was so confused. And that was just amazing. And even university, I knew that you had a full time job and that you had an education. And when I was a kid, I knew I liked sciences. I remember being really into astronomy but I never actually thought I could be able to take it anywhere and actually do something productive. John who was the first visually impaired person you met like role model type person? That's funny that you must say it that way Sean but um, the first besides the ones that were the, um, the ones that were actually adults like not even starting college 
was um all you guys at Goalball, you, Doug, Karen, mm. Shane, because that was after Clement, and then Clement made me go there. I was like, that was the thing I was going to say, is like getting to see other blind people actually play a high-intensity sport because I played lots of sports when I was a kid. And even in my high school, like when we when I joined the wrestling team, the the special ed teachers told the the captains that I was blind and we had explained some stuff. And as the years went on, we figured out a couple of things. So it was easier to do, but getting to see a bunch of adults play a sport without having too much other things to do. And the fact that we all actually would just put a blindfold and make everyone the same level of blind <laughs> was also interesting and surprising and exciting because yeah, it's a pretty crazy sport. And it was you and Doug and the other guys who were, real mentors and people I looked up to to see because you guys also were in university you had jobs Doug had a kid and yeah and then the other part of um that Sean is uh, seeing you at camp and having to teach you how to use the computer <laughs> okay 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 no 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 I have to defend myself I knew how to use a computer I didn't know how to use like the chatting what was it called MSN chat yeah, messenger messenger whatever it was called that was the yeah. other interesting thing because uh there were certain <laughs> things that Sean had to keep asking us how to do and we'd all get extra points if whoever could teach Sean how to do it properly <laughs> you know I might have been doing some of that just to like build you guys up and make you feel good about yourselves just yeah way to, way to backpedal down later <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like John's story is exposing me way more than mine did definitely <laughs> ouch <laughs> Okay, my lack of computer knowledge is not because I'm blind. It's because I'm older. <laughs> Let's just clarify that. Yeah, that's what also is like. Clement, those Clement, those like. All right, I asked like, so how do I do this? Oh, you do this. Okay, all right, okay. Hey, Sean, how do I do this? I don't know. Hey, Clement, how do we do this? <laughs> yes. Um, Lena, you mentioned that you met Ishita when you were in elementary school so i mean that was probably your first older blind visually impaired role model what was that like for you yeah i mean at first i was very uncomfortable because like i was like very little and i never understood anything very well um but as i feel like when i got like when i when my vision teacher introduced her to me um I feel like we kind of just started bonding with each other. Like we sh we shared like a the a lot of common things about our lives, and as we got older, um, I started to, you know, tell her all of my things that I need to help with, and she just started helping me. So, like she was like a mentor to me, and still is. But mm -hmm. yeah, that was like the first time I met her. But mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. What about you, Colby? Do you remember the first um, visually impaired adult? I think it was you, actually, Sean. Mm. Um, and for me, it was really, really good because I saw that I could, like what Nika was saying, um, I could, I could have a life past school and be like. Um, independent and have a job go to school um have children if i want um all the things that are like society do, um, deems normal mm -hmm. and 
I really like before that I didn't think that that was possible. Yeah, so um, I feel like when I was in grade two and when I met Ashida, I really didn't understand anything about my blindness, except my vision teacher would come and help me teach, uh, help me with O and M. But as I kind of got, uh, as I kind of started getting to know her better, she uh, she taught me a few things too. Like she said, like, um, you know, don't you know, don't let anyone let you down or something like that, you know? Like, she just supported me. And whenever I needed help, she was always there for me. So it was, like, a really nice feeling to have someone older than you, but, like, you could rely on, so. When I was thinking about this topic, I was reflecting on sort of my journey in life and realizing and remembering that in my 20s, maybe even early thirties. I, I remember a time when I discovered that I was a different, I almost had a different personality when I was in a group of visually impaired people compared to the rest of the world, right? Like just sort of my normal life where I was the only one that was blind compared to like a group of people who were all blind. And in the group of people who were blind, I was super outgoing. I was confident. I, you know, I wasn't, I was never embarrassed to say that I couldn't see something or to ask for help or any of those things, because I just knew that everybody there understood. And, and, and I was thinking about that and recognizing that I think in, in the group of blind people, I felt like absolutely I was equal. Whereas in the rest of my life, I often felt like I had to work hard to hopefully be seen as equal. And I was just wondering if any of you have noticed some anything similar. Do you do you find yourself your personality is different in one group versus the other? I noticed it a lot more as I got older because in the first two years between the ages of nine and eleven, I was just not self-aware at all. I was pretty young, so I still had a lot of surface level thoughts. And I didn't really notice that I was different or that I didn't have many sighted friends so I just kind of acted the same around everyone and then when I was 11 and actually got some self-awareness and that's also kind of when a lot of stuff like mentally was starting to change for me that's when I realized that I almost felt like I had to force myself to be a like different person versus that blind beginnings events and programs I could actually be myself and just talk about certain problems they're just certain frustrating things that only people with a visual impairment would understand yeah Mm. I mean I can really relate to this because in in my elementary school and especially now in high school like I'm I feel like I'm the only one there who has a visual impairment and I try to act normal around everyone who is sighted but when it comes to blind beginnings, I feel like I can, it's like an open space where you can be heard and like you can share your problems and people will understand and help you. So yeah, like that, I really can relate to that as well. So it's a little different for me because I have I have the most vision in this group right now. And by, uh, when I was in elementary school, I, I still, I, decent enough vision um outside in the in the light so i still played all the sports i played hard competitive 
soccer, basketball, battle tag with everyone else. I knew that I never wanted to play in goal because I was like, oh, I can't see that ball coming that fast for some reason. I don't know why. And I wasn't very good at skills stuff, but there were a lot of parts of that I never felt too different. I did the same things as everyone else. We played all played all the same video games and everyone. And even in high school, I generally still acted the same. The only things that I really noticed is uh, my level of, would you say, laziness or neediness? Because when I'm with my sighted friends, there are certain times I will take advantage of me being blind and being like, here, you go do that for me, please. Mm. And then when I go with the blind group, I end up being the one with the most vision. So I end up having to do a lot of that stuff that I make my friends do. It's ironic. Yeah, I'm like the opposite, actually, because if like with sighted people, I almost have this weird thing to like prove that I'm independent. So I actually like find myself being more okay with it's not really burdening, but I'm more okay asking for help with blind people and blind and visually impaired people rather than sighted people. Me too. Totally. Yeah. It's that, yeah. like, I want you to see me as independent. I don't want to be a burden. I don't want you to think I'm too much work. Right. Yeah. Internalized ableism. Well, I guess when, <laughs> if yes. I'm meeting new people, I'll be more independent. But if it's with like my close group of friends, it's like, there are parts where I, uh, even with that same group of friends, I still do more stuff than they do. Like when we were traveling around Japan, Ironically enough, the blind guy's the one carrying most of the luggage, but mainly because I'm the strongest person in the group, so I get the three suitcases. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting because I do feel, you know, this is the thing. Like in my with my friends, once I get to a certain point where I know that I'm accepted and I know they like me, then it gets easier to ask for something, ask for some help or ask whatever, like be more real, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, but it takes a while before I actually trust that I have been fully accepted and that they do really like me. I think there's, there's some insecurities to get over. Whereas with a group of visually impaired people, I don't even worry about whether they like me. I just, I don't, I don't <laughs> have that same insecurity. I don't know. And it's really interesting. And if I need help, I just ask, I, I'm not, I'm not worried about it. Yeah. Yeah. But I also find that when I'm um, around more sighted people, I, I end up doing a lot more educating and mm -hmm. making people aware of um, blindness. And um, like I enjoy doing that. But at the same time, when you're with a group of visually impaired people, do you, you don't always have to do that. And it's not always on your shoulders so that can be a little bit easier sometimes yes definitely um that also makes me think of the power of numbers in comfort using my white cane i remember you know as a teenager and a young adult i was really not comfortable using my white cane but i remember a few incidences where i was going out you know out for dinner or out to do stuff in my young adult years with blind friends where there'd be three of us all using a white cane. And, and then I didn't feel embarrassed anymore because it was like, I'm not alone here. There's other people too. Or when I think about our blind beginnings, youth leadership weekend, and we've got youth coming from all over the province. And, you know, there's, there's like a, a gaggle of us <laughs> and there could be 10 to 15 white canes in the group. 
and we're all traveling on the sky train together. We're going to a restaurant together. And it's just like, it's almost pride that I feel in those moments of, yeah, look at us. Whereas by yourself, sometimes it can feel not, not so prideful maybe, or at least it used to for me. I don't know. Not so much now, but. Well, I definitely felt that as a teenager, mainly because I, yeah. But also it's like, if I was, I would say like, if I'm going home and it's already dark, it's like, I know I need that. It's like, okay. But if I'm like trying to travel in a new place, like in the middle of the day, when I know I kind of don't need it, but I should, I'm putting it out there anyway. So I don't have to look like I accidentally ran into you. Mm. And it felt better, but yeah, there were parts. Eventually, it's like, yeah, I'm using all the time now. I don't care. Yeah. I would just always use the excuse of, oh, I'm embarrassed and ashamed. I don't need to use it. But when -hmm. you're in a group of people who all use it, that excuse kind of basically becomes, it's rendered useless at that point. So I kind of had no reason not to use it and especially if there were youth leadership weekends um for example there'd be an O&M instructor prowling around and you best believe they wouldn't let me get away with not using it which (laughs) is actually a good thing I think just because over the years it kind of just normalized it way more you know that's definitely true um but we've also had youth who have come to a youth leadership weekend and and come without a cane, but then asked the mobility instructor if they could get a cane because at that weekend, they finally, you know, felt maybe that, I don't know, like just the willingness that they wanted to give it a try and seeing all these other. Yeah. I love that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So just like being in a group of people who had accepted their, their white canes made them, you know, kind of open to using it which I think is pretty great and I've definitely seen that happen not just with kids because there's a lot of um adults especially in like this in blind hockey when people who have had vision suddenly lose enough vision that they have to use it but they don't want to and then they see a bunch of the other guys some of them are like my age some of them are in their 50s and 60s and they're all using them and it's like they have but when you they it's hard to tell how much vision they actually have but people they'll all still use it Mm-hmm. so it's like oh you just got you went like 30 years of your life without using it and you see all these other adults some of them have less vision than you some of them have equal vision to you but they're still using it so you feel comfortable to do it yeah I mean uh I feel I feel the same way like when it's when it comes to a group of blind people like yeah I feel totally comfortable using my cane but like even in high school like people will like stare at me as I walk down the hallway and they're like like, why is she holding that stick, you know? Like, even in elementary school, I got that. Like, what what the heck is that stick for? And why is she holding it, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it, you know, it doesn't feel so good. Like, if kids are staring at your back as you walk down the hallway, like, no. <laughs> it's the same with the Perkins, because in class, <laughs> I had this one teacher basically was like, oh, I want Nika to be in a different room her Perkins is distracting the class and my EA basically straight up told her, oh, just make the kids go to another room. But uh, that was just something I was so ashamed of. And that particular camp I went to when I was nine, that was a literacy kind of writing camp. And basically everyone had a Perkins. So it was just a room full of Ching, 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 ching. Yeah, typewriters. And I wasn't like sticking out with a sore thumb like I always did. 
Yeah, Perkins is a as a braille typewriter for anybody who doesn't know, and they are quite bulky and heavy and loud. So you can't, you know, silently write a little note. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, I have to share something too. But so when I'm in my math class, I always have my Perkins on the table. But my math teacher doesn't find it very distracting. In fact, he finds it very interesting. Because, like, he always comes over and he's like, Lena, one day you're going to have to teach me how to write Braille. And I tell him, Mr. Tom, it's hard. And he just looks at me, just typing away on my Brailler. Like, he doesn't even care that I'm making so much noise. That's good. If there are children or youth listening who have been reluctant to come together or come to an activity where, where they're going to meet people who are visually impaired, what advice or what, what messaging or what would you say to those reluctant youth? So I think I would say like, um, it's okay. Like just give it a try. Like you're not going to be judged or anything, but you're going to be like accepted and you'll be uh, like treated like everyone else. And if you need help, like, yeah, you can ask for help, but um, yeah, I just say give it a try and don't be uh, nervous because you'll be treated like everyone else. Speaking from personal experience, I don't know what I would do if I didn't meet blind or visually impaired people at that age. And just knowing the impact and the positive effect it had on me, I just want everyone to be able to have that opportunity. I want everyone to be able to make lasting friendships like I have, like so many of like our co-hosts, like my fellow co-hosts, I talk to them outside of blind beginnings things. Like we hang out in person. Like I actually have friends through all these programs I went to. And I think it's so, so beneficial. And if you were like me and never had any future plans or goals or just felt like you were drifting kind of aimlessly, not really knowing what you want to do, having older role models to look up to is so important and you can share your challenges you can confide in them and they get you and I think they can help you and maybe help you learn from their mistakes or give you advice based on their life experience which is why I'd say it's so important I would, um, I would say that you might be nervous or hesitant but um, and that's okay but definitely give it a try because you'll meet so many interesting and new people and it'll really help you to feel like you belong to something and um i think that's just really important for anyone as someone who as a kid did not like to go to things and was forced to by his mother and would eventually end up liking said things afterwards i think it is good to to go and just try those things out go to summer camp, try out that sport or whatever, but also not just for kids and youth, but young adults too, and even blinder adults who are just, just who've just maybe gone blind or you've managed to sneak your way through life with the high level vision you might have and just getting to meet other people and learn a bit more and feel comfortable with who you are. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know where I would be if I hadn't connected with, with blind peers. I think that going to camp as a teenager, uh, I mean, back in those days, camp was 
the only time. So one week of the year that I was able to be with other people who are visually impaired. And I looked forward to that week all year long. And when that week was over, I, we were crying when we had to get on the bus to go back home. Like, it was, yeah, it, it was so, so important to me. And I'm still very good friends with many people that I met at camp. Like, and I, I don't know where I would be now without my blind friends, you know, I need the sighted friends too, but we, we need, we need our people. Uh, yeah. and I guess, you know, from, if you are somebody who maybe you gave it a try once and it, and it kind of freaked you out or you, you felt really uncomfortable, I would say I get that, but it's worth trying again because it eventually, and you know, we're all diverse people too. Like you got to find the right people where with common interests and maybe the same eye condition, or maybe, um, I don't know, just other things that you have in common, but I think it's, it's really important to have that place where you feel like you can just, just be who you are and not have to worry and not have to explain. Like just go for it, you know, don't be stressed out. Just go for it and make new friends who have the Mm -hmm. same interests as you and they'll be treated the same way as you are. Right. And that way, like yeah. for me, I would have never been the person I am with all of my friends. Like even all of my friends I've made during my uh, youth le- uh, youth learning trainership, you know, like just go for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. I, I think it's, it's this like secondary thing in the background of everything we do at Blind Beginnings is the bringing youth together to be with each other and the providing role models and mentors. So it's not, it, you know, it's not something that we make maybe obvious, but it's, it's intentional. And, um, I do think it's, it's super important and it's a big reason why I started blind beginnings was because I thought there needed to be more opportunities to bring youth together, to be with each other. So we worked out really conveniently too, because when blind beginnings started increasing their programs was right after when I attended that camp. So basically one week of Sean and I was hooked and you never were able to get rid of me since. (laughs) Never be gone. (laughs) <laughs> I just have to say that, like, yeah, this is an amazing organization. So, yeah, thank you for that. Thank you. You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Please share our podcast with a friend, like, subscribe, and join us next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted, along with their families, visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca and also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time.